Life is a breeze. Of course, some breezes, as you know, are 110 miles an hour and get promoted up to hurricanes. I just thought I'd pass that along. The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Welcome to The Big Lead this hour. Brandy Cruz filling in for my friend Dory Monson. What was that from? That little clip you found there? That was Mr. Larry King. Oh, it, well, I guess it was Larry King. It didn't. It didn't immediately come to me. It says here that the title of the of the cart was Larry King drunk, but I don't know for sure if he was drunk <laughs> or not. It kind of drunk or just like old. It. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron. Really quickly. Yeah. You you mentioned in your newscast a jogger stabbed. Yeah, this uh, could be completely random from what it appears That's from Seattle terrifying. police. Yeah. So the 21-year-old guy just uh, running along the South Ship Canal Trail in North Queen Anne. This happened a little bit before 9 o'clock this morning. Guy calls 911, says he's been stabbed. Cannot provide uh, any description of a suspect, though, and no motive at this point. But he was taken to the fire station and then transferred by medics to Harborview Medical Center in critical condition. If you were around that area, again, this was uh, 8.48 a.m. is when they got the call. Around the again north, uh, I'm sorry, South Ship Canal Trail in North Queen Anne, you're asked to call police if you have uh, any surveillance footage or any witnesses in that area. That is odd, and and we were just talking last week on the show when I was filling in for Dory about those women who, well, it was a groper, and I don't know if the groper turned into a stabber, but it was like three different random attacks on female joggers. Um, of some guy driving a Lexus, coming up and groping them and driving off. And it's just like, that's like my biggest fear is the random, you know, if I did something that I deserve to be stabbed, that's different. Sure, sure. But it, just the random nature of some of these things happening in Seattle is terrifying. Yeah, just uh, again, 21 years old, too. I mean, just an innocent guy jogging along a trail. That's crazy. And then out of nowhere, dude with, I don't know what he was used, uh, maybe a knife, but randomly stabs you that's not what you expect on your morning jog no that's horrifying aaron thank you uh getting a lot of uh wedding advice in man i uh nicole whenever i ask for wedding advice on the show it's a very popular on the text line but usually people are saying just just elope i know i don't want a popular opinion yeah i don't i don't want to elope tom and edmund says brandy my wife and i will have been married for 41 years this may 1st wow see that's what i aspire to we spent no more than a thousand dollars on our wedding in 1992 which adjusted for inflation would be about three thousand dollars today it's not about the wedding it's about the marriage that's so nice very sweet i mean i'm i'm probably gonna spend more than three thousand dollars but i i do like that uh let's see we don't want to take the wedding journey with you i <laughs> Oh, no. I you know sometimes I click on these texts and I don't read them before I read them. <laughs> TW in Seattle says we don't want to take the wedding journey with you either. Keep it off the air. Ouch. Ouch. You know sometimes maybe I shouldn't cold read things. Okay, TW, we'll get right to the big lead. The big lead. Breaking news. Title 42 is going to remain in place for the time being. And I got to say, I don't like this. And I, uh, I'm i kind of disappointed with the position. I, This is tough. Because I'm disappointed with the position that Republican-led states are taking on Title 42. So, of course, Title 42 was put into place during the pandemic as sort of a way to say, hey, you know, there is a, a worldwide pandemic. And so we need to try to stop people from coming across the southern border, not because they're concerned about the crime and drugs that comes with that, but because they're concerned about COVID. And some Republican led states have said, hey, we want you to keep Title 42 in place, even though the pandemic is over, because it's 
one of the only things that's even you know, helping a little bit with the situation at the southern border. Totally get where states like Texas are coming from, where they're like, anything that will help, don't get rid of it. But I just don't like the hypocrisy of, you know, Republicans. And we were just talking about emergency powers and, you know, Governor Jay Inslee for more than 900 days putting these mandates and restrictions in place and people taking issue with that because the pandemic was over. And I look at this in a very similar way. I just don't believe that it is good government to rely on a pandemic era mandate to try to deal with the issue at the southern border. It's not a fix for what's happening down there. It's not a long term solution. And I think it flies in the face of the position that Republicans have taken on some of these other um Real cases of overreach when it came to pandemic era, pandemic era restrictions, mandates and orders. So it's a really tough one because I understand the desperation to the extent I can of what's happening in Texas and Arizona, et cetera. But I just don't think that you should be relying on the Supreme Court to uphold and keep in place a pandemic era um, thing like Title 42. So there's a lot of celebration on the right of, hey, you know, let's keep this in place. So it's this is not a permanent decision, by the way. And the ruling from the Supreme Court was 5-4, a 5-4 decision. And it reverses a lower court decision that Title 42 had to end at the end of this month, at the end of December. And so what they're saying is we're going to allow this to remain in place until we're able to hear arguments before the Supreme Court. So it's sort of like an injunction preventing Title 42 from being lifted, which is not what the Biden administration wanted. Surprise, surprise. But I just would encourage it's it's tough because you're in this position where it's like, well, do we let go of this and then the situation at the southern border gets even worse? Or are we complete hypocrites on the issue of pandemic era orders? And so it's kind of like a lose lose situation for Republicans. So that is what has happened with Title 42, the ruling coming down uh, from the U.S. Supreme Court. And we will see how long they schedule out the actual oral arguments. But until then, Title 42 will remain in place. All right. Coming up next on The Big Lead this hour. The big lead. I sense a Dory rant coming on. Yeah. So we were talking about, we got to this a little bit in the one o'clock hour, but I really wanted to spend um, some more time on it. There was this massive uh, drug bust in King County, and it was done um, by a special emphasis team. It was called Operation P-22. It's one of the largest drug busts we've seen in in the region, and it uh, ended on December 22nd, so right before Christmas. So this was uh, local police uh, in combination with the feds. They um, this is a cartel operation. This is from them. This is the Mexican drug cartel that's responsible for this. So Burien PD, King County Sheriff's Office, they seize 400 pounds of meth, nearly 500,000 fentanyl tablets. Think about that for a second and think about what we've heard and what we know about fentanyl. What We know to be true. Fentanyl is killing people at record levels, not just in Washington state, across the country. And the tiniest, tiniest bit of fentanyl can kill someone. So here you have 500,000 fentanyl tablets that came here from Mexico. Cartel smuggled fentanyl tablets seized in Washington state. There were, of course, also illegal firearms. There were uh, four pounds of fentanyl powder, five pounds of heroin, the 220 pounds uh, of meth, and then some additional uh, fentanyl pills. It is a huge amount of drugs to be taken out the streets. And I am actually surprised that, and half a million dollars of cash, by the way, 
I'm actually surprised that the King County Sheriff's Office still has the resources to do this kind of long form investigative work, given how short staffed everybody is. But so they ended up um, seizing all those drugs, uh, weapons, four cars, all that cash. Twelve suspects were arrested. Uh, Six were booked on narcotics charges. Uh, The King County Sheriff's Office says it was one of the largest seizures um, in in the operations history. So really good stuff. But here's what I just cannot get over. This is the border crisis manifesting on the streets of our state. And you can't deny that. These are cartel members. These drugs are coming up from Mexico. How do you think that they got up here? They were either smuggled through ports of entry or they were smuggled through unsecured areas of the southern border through private uh, land and ended up here. And I will never forgive, be able to forgive or take seriously elected leaders in Washington who want to vote in Washington state like Governor Jay Inslee, Dow Constantine, the King County executive, uh, the attorney general, Bob Ferguson, who for years railed on the humanitarian crisis at the southern border. And what did they have to say about the drugs that were coming up here, killing people on our streets? Jack. Nothing. I haven't seen anything. Nicole, have you seen anything from the governor, anything from the King County executive, anything from the attorney general? Uh, Two of those people want to be governor someday. Right. On this massive cartel drug bust. Uh, No, we've kept an eye out on that. I have not seen anything. And I'll admit I could have missed some sort of little tweet from Dow or something, but I have not seen anything. And to me, every single one of those fentanyl pills has the potential to kill a Washingtonian. But speaking out about it doesn't score you political points. When you want to be the governor in a a progressive state like Washington, you're going to talk about kids in cages. You're going to talk about busing of migrants to the vice president's house in the middle of the winter. But you don't have Jack to say about 500,000 fentanyl pills being smuggled up across the southern border and ending up on the streets of your cities, your counties, your state. Nothing at all to say about that. And that's why I just don't understand. I feel like I'm going on this rant against just politics, but political parties in particular. Such a focus on whatever is politically palatable to your base that you ignore a crisis like this. And that's why I won't take them. I I just don't even want to hear any of their conversations or any of what they have to say about Trump era border policies or about humanitarian issues, whatever Texas is doing, whatever they're doing in Arizona, Doug Ducey, Greg Abbott. You can rant about what Republicans are doing or not doing when it comes to the humanitarian crisis at the border until you're blue in your face. But I will not take you seriously until you acknowledge that the crisis is impacting our state in a very real way every single day. And and by the way, I've heard Dow Constantine, Bob Ferguson, Jay Inslee talk about the scourge of, of opioids, the scourge of fentanyl killing people, acting like they're sympathetic to families who are losing their loved ones. But do you ever hear them tie it to the border crisis? Of course not. They want to act like they care about people who are overdosing and dying on our streets, but they don't have anything to say, anything to say about the cause of it, which is tied to the the crisis at the southern border. All I wanted, I, I, all I want is for politicians to be intellectually honest about these things. Like, I am more than happy to have a conversation about, quote unquote, kids in cages, more than happy to have a conversation about how tragic it is uh, uh, what's happening to these kids at the southern border. 
more than happy to talk about how we can make sure that people who come to the southern border uh, seeking asylum, who qualify, are able to get it. More than happy. But not when you're ignoring these these issues that come along with a huge migrant population coming up to the southern border. It's so sad to me, just the, the, the way in which politics just forces both it has both political parties. Just they only want to hear this or they only want to hear that. And here we've got people dying across the state and not just in Seattle. I can't I, I, multiple parents in the past two years I've had on my podcast to talk about their kids thinking they're taking one thing ends up being fentanyl and killing them. And I know how some folks are like, well, that's just bad parenting. Look, I have seen this happen to families from all different walks of life. And these drugs are coming from Mexico. So until you're willing to be honest about it, I don't even want to hear any Democrats pretend to care about the drug crisis or pretend to care about the humanitarian crisis at the southern border. I'm just absolutely over it. Uh, I don't have a stinger for this one in the big lead. But uh, Nicole and I were talking about um, what was this other uh, holiday? What's happening in Buffalo, New York? This is crazy to me. So I was just watching Fox. I don't know if we have we have sound with this mayor. I don't think so. But I was watching Fox and the mayor of Buffalo was coming out and talking about looters who are. Oh, you do here. Let me uh, play this quick because they're having this crazy ice storm in Buffalo. And of course, whenever there is any sort of um, natural disaster or whatever it is, criminals will just come out of the woodwork. So this is Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown. I just want to add that people who are out looting when people are losing their lives in this harsh winter storm is just absolutely reprehensible. Uh, I don't know how these people can even live with themselves, how they can look at themselves in the mirror. They are the lowest of, of the low. And from some of the pictures that we've seen in social media of these looters, uh, they're not looting foods and medicines. They're just loot, looting items that they want. So these aren't even people in distress. These are people that are taking advantage of a natural disaster and the suffering of many in our community to take what they want uh, from retailers, also potentially putting those services at risk in the communities where they are looting. Yeah, it's disgusting. And I agree with him. Lowest of the low. We see this happen after hurricanes. Gosh, we saw it happen in 2020 under the guise of social justice protests where they're looting TVs in the name of social justice. Um, but what's happening in Buffalo, Nicole showed me pictures a little bit ago. So I, we were talking on the show about the ice storm here being insane. I mean, I went out to my car. Was it Friday? Yeah, it was Friday, Christmas, day before Christmas Eve. And it was under a half an inch of ice. It was like I had to go. And I was like, my, my fiance was coming out trying to help me get out of it. And so you told me there was also an ice storm in Buffalo. And I'm thinking, well, could it really be worse than what we had here? Yes, it is. Do, Very. do me a favor and go Google pictures of ice storm Buffalo homes. These homes are, I, I don't even know how to describe it. They are, I don't even know how they're holding up the weight of the ice. Like they're just completely covered in ice. And like icicles. So it's it. what it looks like is that you had this sort of like, freezing rain that came in really hard in, in a wind like the wind must have been blowing like crazy sideways because you have these homes covered in almost sideways icicles the entire home and the it's a little dirty yep. <laughs> it like also blew up some dirt from the road yeah so you have these homes from bottom to top in this brownish yellow ice crystals 
And it's just absolutely insane. And there was this really tragic story of just to show you how bad it is. And when they say don't travel, you know, to really listen and heed that advice, because there was this young woman, 22 years old. And I understand why she was traveling because she she worked at a hospital. Right. Hospitals cannot shut down during a storm. Her name was Andel Taylor. Again, 22, healthy young woman. So she's traveling home um, in Buffalo from a shift at the hospital on Friday, day before uh, Christmas Eve. And um, she ends up getting stranded in her car. She's not found for 24 hours, you know, in this car and it's covered by then. And she died. She died stranded in her vehicle coming home from a shift at the hospital at 22 years old. The ice is so thick, so strong. I mean, you can't open doors. I don't even know. I mean... I'm not sure why she left the hospital. Might as well just stay there. Or, I mean, they have to be coming up with things now. But I think you just, you think an ice storm's coming. I mean, this is nowhere. This is so far beyond what I expected when I heard there was an ice storm in Buffalo. And a really sad one. So she was sending, while she's trapped in her car, some updates to her family in North Carolina. And she was showing, sending a video that showed, like, the snow continuing to creep up or her car was, like, getting buried. and There was no getting to her. And then on Friday, it was, like, 5 p.m., and she sent her family another video showing her windows were now completely covered in snow. So she's, like, buried in snow in her car. And then her final text to her family uh, came just after midnight. It was Christmas Eve. She sends them a video of her rolling down her window um, showing that there were also other cars stranded nearby with their lights on. And then uh, she said she'd called 911. She told her family no one had come for her. And um, I just saw this picture of her car. I mean, it's completely buried in a snowbank. And, yeah, I mean, she obviously just froze to death. It's so, it's so and sad. And I mean, the, the snow can be suffocating as well. So, I mean, once it builds up that far and you can't get to the top and uh, yeah, it's just terrifying you know i had for a period of time my sister-in-law was living with me um with uh her young child and i remember her coming across the pass um she'd gone to visit someone and it was coming across the pass and ends up getting stuck in a snowstorm and like she's like i don't have that much food for the how long am i going to be staying uh, stuck here and we called 911 and nobody could get to her so that's part of the issue too is that you know if you're out and about there are first responders, but if you can't move, they probably can't get to you either. So just terrible and horrifying images out of Buffalo. The, sh- the pictures of those uh, homes and ice, just unreal. And that has been The Big Lead this hour. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Brandy Cruz filling in for our friend Dory Monson. Coming up, remember how CNN would do these fun, I'm not going to say if they're fun, these New Year's Eve live celebrations and Don Lemon would just get tanked on the air and slur in his words. Well, apparently CNN, in its effort to rehabilitate its image, says, nope, no more drinking on air, Don Lemon. We'll talk about it next coming up on The Big Show. Dory Monson show. Brandy Cruz filling in for my friend Dory Monson. I got a couple messages on the text line, 888 Cairo, that this woman, uh, the 22-year-old who died in Buffalo, um, it was reported on the news that it was actually um, carbon monoxide poisoning because the um, tailpipe was blocked by snow. So there's a few people who said uh. that they heard that on the news. So that's really sad. Um, thank you, Carol253, for the information. Um, so obviously New Year's Eve is coming up. Do you have any plans, Nicole? 
Um, possibly. You didn't invite me to do anything, uh, so I'm there with my niece. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a pretty low key New Year's Eve. I will admit that in the past, I have watched CNN's New Year's Eve extravaganza for the simple fact that usually they're pretty tanked on the air. Exactly. Um, now, I I do think it has been entertaining. That being said, I think in recent years they've taken it way too far. It's also embarrassing. Well, right. So you have like Don Lemon, who's blackout drunk, and then you want to talk about war or whatever it is the next day. And it's like, I can't really take you seriously anymore. Right. And so CNN under Chris Licht, who's the new head of CNN, they've been trying to kind of rehab their image by saying, OK, we're not going to, for instance, they let go a lot of, of a lot of their um, commentators like they, a lot of people who just are strictly there, their contributors to give an opinion. So that's one of the things he's trying to do to bring CNN back to what it was supposed to be, which is new, more news, less opinion. And um, another uh, thing that Chris Licht wanted to do is to not allow its anchors and reporters to drink on the air on New Year's Eve. And it's all part of this kind of similar effort to say, okay, we want people to take us seriously again. And I admire what he's doing. I do think the nation could benefit from having at least one 24-hour news source that isn't just like blatantly biased and terrible. Mm -hmm. So I understand as a boss what he's trying to do. Uh, And apparently, so they do the, you know, of course, New Year's Eve special. And this year it's going to be hosted by Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, as it typically is. And there had been a thought that maybe Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen would be allowed to drink. But CNN's Chris Licht, uh, according to his sources from The Washington Examiner, had said he would prefer no drinking on air at all. So I guess we'll see if they say I really doubt I can't see Anderson and Andy not drinking a little bit on the air. I guess maybe before. But but I mean, it is normal to say um, no drinking at work. Fellas. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, Nicole, in honor of maybe this uh, going away, you've pulled some of the best slash worst clips of the CNN New Year's Eve special. So, uh, one year, if you remember, Don Lemon was like blacked out, getting his ear pierced. And then, did he get, was it a tattoo on air or did he just show off his tattoo in 2020? He talk. he shows it. Okay. And then it, there's like some discussion about whether it's real or fake. Okay, let's listen to that. No, it's real. No, it is not. No, it's real. And I got one of the. Where's Tim? Where's Tim? Tim! I think that's Brianna. Is that Brianna Keeler? She's not even there anymore, is she? Tim! Is this real? This is not a tattoo. Please tell me this is not a tattoo. It really hurts. You it's are real. You are so pulling my chain. You are going to like. We're going to get some water and that's going to rub off. No, I can't. It's not going to rub off. You could tell he's drunk. The slur. So I'm in pain. I've been taking painkillers all day. That's why you've been drinking all day long. Uh, I'm not drinking. Truth. People really think I'm like drunk at this thing. Yes, we do. It's- no, I'd say you're actually pretty sober. Maybe this sobered you up. We have. I have so many <laughs> questions for him. Like, don't worry. You have questions. I'm not questions. kidding. Are you? And and it's a it's a real tattoo. Kindly handing champagne to us. We have four minutes and twenty five seconds. Here's a clip of them taking Jaeger shots in 2020. Well, how long are you going to be there? How long are you at your party? An an hour. You're having a hard time. I'm having a hard time enunciating because you're plying me with alcohol. Oh, my God. So what is Jaeger? Why is this different than tequila? How Um, is this? Oh. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like like NyQuil and not in a good way. Don't act like you've never had a Jaeger shot, Anderson. Is this? Okay. I'm so grateful for our friendship. 
I think you're the best. And I've loved the year we had together. And I look forward to 2020 and all that is in our future. I feel the exact same way. Okay. And cheers to you guys. Thank you for watching us tonight. Yes. We're not wrapping it up. We're just doing a little. Yes. And also, to all those who have had a tough year or are feeling lonely tonight, uh, I wish you the best and health and happiness for the new year. And we are all together tonight. And I hope you enjoyed it and will continue to enjoy. Wait, I never knew the word year had so many syllables. Okay, cheers. Oh my God, what Let's is do this? It. Okay. It's like a, it's kind of licorice <laughs> Wow. Okay. That is also that, my response to Jaeger, by the way. It was a Jaeger shot. That's for you, Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> you probably gave me that bottle of Jaeger. What is yeah. that? Who it's would drink this? A lot. College students. And Jimmy. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah. Okay, that's enough of that one. So we're talking about how CNN, Chris Licht, comes in and is just ruining their fun. He's not going to let them get hammered on the air on New Year's Eve. Uh, this is, I, I had to get you to explain this. So, uh, and by the way, we were talking about Don Lemon, that clip where he shows off a tattoo he got. It allegedly said 2020, but it was fake, right, Nicole? It was actually a fake yes. tattoo. I think he did it because he got that ear piercing a few years before. So then he had to do something to top that. So that was his... Top. Here's a reporter. I don't think the reporter's drunk, but the anchor is talking about uh, a mermaid in a rum bath in 2020. Rum bath? Oh my lord! What does a rum bath entail? Well, you don't look like you're in a bath. So what's going on? Oh wait, the reporter's in the rum bath? No, uh, we are at the uh, the Bourbon Street Bar, which is the party, and you never know what you're going to find here in Key West. Well, look what we found. I think we found the queen of the sea. Check this out. A mermaid in a bathtub here. I don't think I've ever seen a tail so huge. That's not the only thing that's huge here, honey. <laughs> look at this tail. Get a look at her hair. This is unbelievable. And you're in a bath of sparkling rum. Is she seeing anybody? Add a little more because you look. Is she seeing anybody? Andy Cohen wants to know if you're seeing anyone. He already knows if I'm seeing anybody. <laughs> I mean, this is. I totally. I absolutely agree with Chris Lick to his decision. You're talking about just that one little clip. The fact that it went on for so long at CNN. Look, I'm not against fun, okay? I love fun. I'm a fun person. I do understand the pressure. It's a long time that they have to fill. Well, don't make them fill that much time then. I know. Have something planned, performances, have different guests. I don't know. Or do the news until 11 and then do one hour of a special with performances and something with Andy Cohen. Heck, do an interview with the president. What what event is it where it always has an interview with the president? The Super Bowl. Do something newsworthy but interesting and then follow it with a little bit of a reasonable party with some yeah, concert and some big names. But yeah, I mean, CNN was getting worse and worse over the years. And it got to the point at CNN where it was like there were no rules at CNN. There was no commitment to integrity. And that just spilled over to New Year's Eve where it's like, yeah, no, I don't think people mind if you have a little bit of fun. But when Don Lemon is clearly blackout drunk, maybe, maybe he's gotten a little bit too far. So I hope it's not I mean, I'm not going to watch CNN on on New Year's Eve, but I'll I'll have to. I'm sure there'll be a million stories about it. I want them to have fun. 
we all want to have fun on New Year's Eve, but keep it uh, keep it a little bit reasonable. So I'm curious what you think on the text line, 888 Cairo, 888-973-Cairo, as to whether you think it's appropriate for CNN to say, nope, no booze on the New Year's Eve special. 253 on the text line says, I do enjoy Anderson and Andy. I'm, I'm okay with Andy, with Andy Cohen getting a little tipsy because he's not a newsman. But Anderson is still supposed to be a newsman. So have some drinks. What do you want to be? Just don't get slurry. What do you want to be? All right. Awesome audio clips of the day coming up next on The Big Show. We come. What a day. What a show. What a show. What a day. Always a pleasure filling in for my friend Dory Monson. It's Brandy Cruz here. I guess I just assume people know who I am because I'm always on Dory's show, but maybe they don't. They're like, who's this Brandy Cruz character? Somebody in the uh, text called me Randy. Oh, I saw that. But sometimes people just use voice to text and you, you never really true. know what they mean. I'm just a friend of Dory's. But yes, you should pimp your podcast right now. I always feel weird pimping my podcast, the Undivided Podcast with me, Brandy Cruz. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. Don't feel weird. See, it's very unnatural to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, let's see. Oh, can we get to the awesome audio clips of the day? This is Dory Monson's awesome audio clips of the day. So up in Canada uh, around Christmas, kids were blessed with a horrifyingly weird uh, ad on TV encouraging them to get the uh, COVID vaccine and to wear a mask. And who was delivering this important public health message to the children? Well, it was Mrs. Claus, of course, who popped on the TV screens of kids in Canada and said, get the jab. Why, hello, Dr. Tam. (laughs) Okay. Why? Why is it so creepy? It just is. Mrs. Claus, so good to see you again. Where did Santa go? Oh, Santa was late for snow yoga with the elves and reindeer. He says it's great cross-training for sleigh driving. Sounds fun. Are you all set for the holiday season? Of course. I, I must say, Dr. Tam, it just warms my heart to see everyone in Canada, especially kids, working so hard to keep the holidays safe and cheerful for all. So am I, Mrs. Claus. Every child in Canada has definitely earned a place on the nice list. Their parents and caregivers, too. Thankfully, Santa and I are feeling as healthy as ever. We are both up to date with our vaccinations, including COVID boosters and flu shots. Okay, are you kidding me? Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, this is, um, by the way, the uh, Dr. Teresa Tam, who the um, Mrs. Claus is speaking to, is the chief public health officer of Canada. So they're having like a little fireside chat. Telling all the kids to get back. Telling all the kids Just to like Santa. do your part. And it's like, I'm surprised they didn't add, or you're on the naughty list. and <laughs> really shame the kids. Oh, that's in there. No, it's to not. Stay on the, to stay on the nice list. Well, how? why'd you cut that part out? Uh, is it cut out? Did you stop it early? No, that's it. That's oh. all you gave me. All right. It was like really five said minutes. That. Yes. Oh, yeah. We don't need five minutes of creepy Mrs. Claus pushing the COVID-19 vaccine. All right, up next on our awesome audio clips of the day, Kim Kardashian. So you guys recall the Balenciaga scandal? 
So Balenciaga, which is this high f- uh, fashion brand uh, that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West have sort of been the face of at certain times, I guess. They had this weird campaign ad where it was like little kids. and They were holding these bears uh, dressed in like sex bondage. And it was like, I mean, universally condemned. I'm surprised that uh, both the right and the left agreed on condemning the same thing. Universally condemned. And it took Kim Kardashian a couple days to speak out about it. When she did, she did so forcefully. And she had said at the time that she wanted to talk to Balenciaga before she said anything about it. And now she's saying um, that this is all kind of cancel culture, which I'm not sure I agree with. But then sometimes I'm like, wait a minute. I posted something in support of the Jewish community or like even with the Balenciaga thing, it was like, everyone was like, why aren't you speaking out? Why aren't you speaking out? And I'm like, wait, I'm not in this campaign. I don't know what's happening. Let me like take a minute to research this. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I saw what everyone was seeing on the internet and the reality of the situation, I completely spoke out and gave my my thoughts on child that's it people got mad at that so it's like i'm they're mad if i don't speak out they're mad if i do speak out and if i don't cancel Mm -hmm. they're just mad that if you don't cancel someone in today's society then it's just like i know people talk about cancel culture and how crazy it is yeah but it's still happening. And so it's never been my place. Yeah. Now, I agree with her on a couple things. I actually liked that Kim Kardashian took a minute and said, hey, we're not, I'm not going to go crazy about right away and like ditch Balenciaga. She had a business relationship with these people. She wasn't in the campaign. She wanted to take the time to talk to them and try to figure out what happened. I 100% agree with Kim Kardashian on that. So I I don't know if she's kind of speaking out against like cancel culture against her or against Balenciaga because Balenciaga deserved the backlash that it got for the ad. I think it's her. I think she's saying I don't think she deserved it. I don't need to speak out against everything I'm a part of, which I actually might disagree with because if you're asked to, all you had to do is denounce it, right? Don't denounce it. Don't wear it anymore, whatever, because you're asking people to follow you. I mean, that's her whole thing is to be an influencer. Right. But she was saying, I don't think I even had to do that just because I wore their stuff. And I'm like, no, you do, because that's what you're making money off of is giving people your opinions on what to wear and what to do and what to whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So I agree with her and don't agree with her. She did have to speak out. I appreciate the way that she did it thoughtfully and not in some rush to judgment. Do I have time for one more? Yes. So do you guys, so Russell Wilson, poor Russell Wilson, we'll talk to Dave Wyman about it tomorrow on the show. But uh, there was a Nickelodeon did sort of this cross airing of the NFL game on Christmas Day between the Denver Broncos and the Rams. And this is the moment. So as part of this airing on Nickelodeon, they've got Patrick from SpongeBob doing like color commentary in the corner. And Patrick from SpongeBob absolutely torches Russell Wilson when he throws an interception to his old teammate, Bobby Wagner. And so what's up? Oh, there's Russ Wilson. Oh, no! Oh, that's called the, uh, the, an interception. That's close. Cooking. <laughs> That's not what he meant to cook, <laughs> Patrick Star. 
pizzas from SpongeBob. All right, that's it for our awesome audio clips of the day. And that's it for today on the Dory Monson Show. Brandy Cruz filling in, and I will be back in the seat on the big show tomorrow. John Curley and Sherry Elliker coming up next. I will not have this in my studio. You have failed conclusively. It's over. And there is nothing that you can do here in this room that can turn that around. Nothing you can do that can make up for what you just did. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You're really a fantastic audience.